Section 9 of the Story of the First Transcontinental Railroad by William Francis Bailey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Paul Harvey. The Kansas Division, Kansas Pacific Railway. Conflicting Interest on Location, Leavenworth, Pawnee, and Western Chartered by Kansas. Plans to connect with the Union Pacific at the 100th Meridian. Supplementary Charter, 1864, San Diego or Denver, Construction Work, Indian Troubles, Receiverships, Consolidation with the Union Pacific. At the time, Congress passed the Pacific Railroad Bill in 1862. There were three conflicting interests contending as to the location. First, that in favor of the Northern, now the Northern Pacific, route. Second, the Central and third, that in favor of the Missouri-Kansas location. The northern interest had not developed to a sufficient extent to cut much figure, only having the support of Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. The central route was backed by Chicago and the railroad interests centering there. The Missouri-Kansas route had the support of St. Louis and the territory tributary thereto. The last two were sufficiently persistent to have both of them recognized. Accordingly, the charter called for the one line commencing at the 100th meridian and running west with branches of feeders reaching that point, one from Omaha, Iowa branch, Union Pacific Railroad, one from Sioux City, to be known as the Sioux City branch, Union Pacific Railroad one from St. Joseph or Atchison, to be built by the Hannibal and St. Joseph Railroad, later known as the Central Branch, Union Pacific Railway, Eastern Division, and then the Kansas Pacific Railway. This latter in connection with the Pacific Railroad of Missouri, from St. Louis to Kansas City to be the St. Louis Line. The Pacific Railroad Bill of 1862 read, the Leavenworth, Pawnee, and Western Railroad Company of Kansas are hereby authorized to construct a railroad from the Missouri River at the mouth at the Kansas River where it should connect with the Pacific Railroad of Missouri, now the Missouri Pacific Railroad, to the 100th meridian of longitude upon the same terms and conditions as applied to the construction of the Pacific Railroad, which it was to meet and connect with at the meridian point named. Through Kansas, it was to be located so as to make connections with the several railroads through Iowa and Missouri, provided it could be done without deviating from the general direction of the whole line to the Pacific Coast. It further specified that 200 miles should be built within the first two years and 100 miles a year thereafter. And after finishing their own line, they could unite on equal terms with the Union Pacific Railroad Company in the construction of the latter's line west of the 100th meridian. This gave them the alternate sections of land within five miles on either side and the United States bonds to the amount of $16,000 per mile. Similar to the aid extended, the Union Pacific Railroad Company by the government. 
the Leavenworth, Pawnee, and Western Railroad Company had been incorporated by the legislature of the state of Kansas in 1855 and was organized in January 1857. But nothing was done of any consequence under its state charter. The company was reorganized June 1863 and changed its name to harmonize with the Act of Congress to Union Pacific Railway Eastern Division. Under its state charter, it was to have extended from Leavenworth, Kansas on the east to Pawnee, Kansas, Fort Riley on the west, with the privilege of building on west to the Kansas state line, the state charter not permitting work outside of the Kansas boundaries. Ground was broken on the line at Wyandotte, Kansas, the state line between Kansas and Missouri, in August 1863. Active grading commenced at Wyandotte, September 1, 1863. The contract for the construction was first let by the Leavenworth, Pawnee, and Western Railroad Company to Ross Steel and Company, but before they got down to actual work, the company had been reorganized as the Union Pacific Railway Eastern Division and had changed hands. The work was begun by Samuel Hallett, who had been very prominent in promoting the latter company, the contract being in the name of Hallett and Fremont, the Fremont being the erstwhile candidate for the presidency of the United States. He is best known today as the Pathfinder from his several exploring expeditions between the Mississippi Valley and the Pacific Ocean. Fremont had been identified with the idea of a railroad to the Pacific in the interest of St. Louis, Missouri. He, however, did not continue as one of the contractors, but withdrew. It was a time of bitter feeling over the slavery question. Missouri was pro-slavery, Kansas free soil. Hallett inaugurated his work by planting a post inscribed on the Missouri side, slavery, and on the Kansas side, freedom. Mr. Hallett was assassinated on the streets of Wyandotte, July 27, 1864. An employee named Talbot had surreptitiously written the Secretary of the Interior in regard to the work not being up to requirements, more especially that the buildings were simply makeshifts put up to evade the law, etc. Through this and other complaints, the government refused to accept the first section of 40 miles and withheld the bonds and land grants that Congress had granted. Hallett, on his trips to Washington, became aware of Talbot's action and on his return called him to task, with the result that Talbot shot him from a doorway as he was returning to his work from his midday lunch. After Hallett's death, the work passed into the hands of St. Louis parties, with John D. Perry as director. Under the Supplementary Pacific Railroad Bill of 1864, the conditions as far as the Union Pacific Railroad Eastern Division, as it was then called, were materially improved. It was authorized to connect with the Union Pacific Railroad at any point deemed desirable, but no more bonds or land grants were to be given 
than if connection were made as originally contemplated at the 100th meridian. It was also given the option uh, building from the mouth of the Kansas River to Leavenworth, thence west, or a building directly west with a branch from Leavenworth connecting with the main line at Lawrence. But in the latter case, no bonds or land grant would be given account the branch line mileage. Another feature of the bill was permission to build on west to a connection with the Central Pacific Railroad, provided when it, the Union Pacific Railroad Eastern Division, reached the 100th meridian, the Union Pacific Railroad proper was not proceeding with the construction of its line in good faith. The company, under the discretion granted them, elected to abandon the junction with the Union Pacific Railroad at the 100th meridian and to build directly west. The company proceeded to explore the country south and west in search of a practicable route to the Pacific, which being found, they then went further and had these several routes thoroughly surveyed. In their investigations, they had 4,464 miles chained and leveled, the most extensive survey on record. Careful surveys demonstrated that the distance to the point of connection with the Union Pacific Railroad would have been 300 and 94 miles from Kansas City, and this much of the line, Kansas City to Pond Creek, Kansas, was bonded-aided and land-grant, the government aid amounting to $6,302,000. The Hannibal and St. Joseph Railroad reached St. Joseph February 1859, Kansas City soon afterwards. The Missouri Pacific Railway reached Kansas City October 1865. Owing to the fact that there were these railroad connections between the east and the eastern terminal of the line, the work of construction was greatly facilitated and the expense of building the line greatly reduced. The headway made was slow at first. The work was new to the officers in charge as well as to the men. The following table shows the progress made. September 1st, 1863. Commenced work at State Line, Wyandotte, Kansas. November 28th, 1864. Reached Lawrence, 40 miles. October 30th, 1865. First 40 miles accepted by the government. December 15th, 1865. 50 miles done. August 18th, 1866. Reached Manhattan, 118 miles. October 7, 1866, reached Pawnee, Fort Riley, 135 miles. January 7, 1867, to Mile Post, 155. April 8, 1867, to Mile Post, 181. October 15, 1867, to Mile Post, 335. Fall, 1867, to Milepost 405, Phil Sheridan. March 24, 1870, reached Kit Carson, 487 miles. August 15, 1870, completed into Denver.
The difference in altitude between Kansas City and the western boundary of Kansas is some 2,700 feet and is thus distributed 600 feet the first 200 miles, 769 feet in the next 100 miles, and 1,320 thence to the Kansas line. The original intention had been to follow the Republican River, but this was changed and the Smoky Hill route from Junction City, Kansas, west adopted. When the road reached Monument, 386 miles from Kansas City, dissensions arose among the stockholders. One faction was for building to San Diego on the Pacific Coast via New Mexico and Arizona. Another was for building to Pueblo and up the Arkansas River, whilst the third and successful one was for pushing straight ahead to Denver, and from there to a connection with the main line of the Union Pacific Railroad, the idea being to secure for St. Louis a portion of the transcontinental business and the line the carrying thereof. The line was built under contract by the following firms. Hallett and Fremont, Wyandotte to Lawrence, Kansas, 39 miles. Ira M. Shoemaker and Company, Lawrence to milepost 140, a distance of 100 miles. Shoemaker and Miller, milepost 140 to milepost 405, 260 miles. West of milepost 405, or Phil Sheridan, as it was then called, the Denver Extension was built by the company itself, General W.J. Palmer being in charge. During the construction of the line, the contract to feed the forces at the front was let to Goddard Brothers, who utilized to a very great extent buffalo meat for this purpose. To procure these, they employed W.F. Cody at $500 per month. During this engagement, Cody claims to have killed 4,280 buffaloes, earning for himself the Appalachian Buffalo Bill, by which name he has ever since been known. The best heads were by special arrangement shipped to the headquarters of the company at Kansas City, where they were nicely mounted and used as an advertisement of the road. The line reached Ellsworth, Kansas, the spring of 1867, and made for some time its terminus there. In all the history of the boom towns or railroad towns, there were none that surpassed this place. For 93 consecutive days, there was one or more homicide in the town or its immediate vicinity, 100 in all. Another place that sprang into prominence during the time, it was the end of the track was Phil Sheridan, located near the point where the road crossed the 100th meridian, milepost 405. During its brief existence, it was a rattling, noisy place, full of life and vigor, rowdyism predominating. Not a stake, brick, or shingle is left to mark its site. It was here the construction rested for nearly a year and a half financial troubles. Uncertainty as to whether to build to San Diego, California, or Denver. And some very fine work 
on the part of the Union Pacific proper being the occasion of the suspension of work. On June 26, 1865, work was begun on the branch line from Leavenworth to Lawrence, Leavenworth and Lawrence Railroad, Major B.S. Hennings being in charge as superintendent. Upon the completion of the branch in the spring following, the headquarters of the Union Pacific Railway Eastern Division was moved to Lawrence. The operation of the line being under the direction of R. H. Shoemaker, superintendent, who was succeeded in December 1867 by George Noble. The work of construction was in charge of General W. W. Wright. At the meeting of the company held April 1, 1867, Mr. John D. Perry of St. Louis was elected president, Mr. Adolph Meyer of the same place, vice president, and among the directors was Thomas A. Scott of Philadelphia, afterwards president of the Pennsylvania Railroad. In 1864, the population of the state of Kansas was 135,807. In 1870, when the line was completed, 364,399. This marvelous increase was due in no small degree to the construction of this line and the facilities it provided for the settlers to reach the cheap land in the interior of the state as well as the security it gave them against Indian depredations. Stage lines between the Missouri River points and Denver had been running between St. Joseph, Atchison, and Omaha for several years but after the line was built some distance, the route was changed, and the connection was made between the end of the track and Denver by the Holiday Overland Mail. Much trouble was caused by the Indians during the construction, even more than was encountered on the Union Pacific Railroad. To this cause, in no small degree, were the delays of 1868 and 1869 attributable. It was necessary not only to arm the engineer corps, but also the graders, the government issuing arms and ammunition for that purpose. Military escorts and guards were furnished by the army to the railroad men, both on the grade and ahead surveying. For the better protection of the road and construction forces, army posts or forts proper were maintained as follows. Fort Riley, milepost 140. Fort Harker, milepost 230. Fort Hayes, milepost 300. Fort Wallace, milepost 412. It was the Cheyennes, Arapahoes, Sioux, and the Utes who made the trouble. In March 1869, the company was authorized by a special act of Congress to assume the name of the Kansas Pacific Railway Company instead of Union Pacific Railroad Eastern Division. A witty epigram on this change that went the rounds of the papers at the time read as follows. The Union Pacific's about to apply for a change in its name and no wonder. Tis as warlike as Jove, that great god of the skies, and Pacific about as his thunder. And talking of this, it is strange as it goes, through perpetual snows in some quarters, 
the railroad should be in the midst of its foes perpetually in hot water. While those in authority had decided to push through to Denver, the idea of building through to San Diego was not abandoned, and in 1872 a branch line was commenced at Kit Carson, destined to Pueblo, and then south along the Rampart Range to New Mexico and thence to the coast. This line was completed nearly due south to Fort Lyon and some 20 miles of grading done between Fort Lyon and Pueblo. Financial stringency, together with the building of the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe into the same territory, resulted in the abandonment of these plans, and eventually the track from Kit Carson to Lyons was taken up under the following circumstances. The owners of the central branch, Union Pacific, R. M. Pomeroy of Boston and Associates were pushing the construction of this line westwardly and announced their intention of building to Denver, thus making a competitor for the Kansas Pacific Railway. Mr. J. Gould, who at that time, 1879, was the principal owner of the latter line, while out on an inspection trip over the line, instructed his general manager, Sill Smith, Mr. Sylvester T. Smith, to build into their territory and parallel them. Out of this grew the Junction City and Fort Kearney Railway, now a part of the Union Pacific Railroad. Smith was unable to buy sufficient rails to build and accordingly took up those on the branch of the Kansas Pacific Railway, Kit Carson to Lyons, i.e. the Arkansas Valley Railroad, and relayed them on the Junction City Line. Some of the Arkansas Valley Railway bonds were owned in Holland, and a representative of the Dutch happened along on an investigating tour, but was unable to find any road. The matter soon got into court, and an effort was made to locate who was responsible for the tearing up of the Arkansas Valley Railway. Finally, General Manager Smith was put on the stand and frankly acknowledged what he had done, and that he had no orders from president, directors, or anyone. The question was then asked, who ordered you to build the Junction City and Fort Kearney Railway? And the answer was Jay Gould. And who is he? For at that time, he was not the well-known man he afterwards became. At this point, Judge Dillon obtained permission to interrupt the proceedings with a query, as in whose behalf all this investigating was being done. The holders of the bonds, was the reply. Then that must be myself, for, said he, I have here in my hands all of the bonds in question. Mr. Gould had quietly bought in the bonds while the matter was in the courts, bringing the inquiry to an end. The line cost, for its 673 miles, Kansas City to Denver and Branch, Leavenworth to Lawrence, $36,747,300, or about $52,000 per mile. In 1873, the road was unable to meet its obligations and was placed in the hands of C.S. Greeley and Henry Villard, receivers. 
a majority of its stock, passing into the hands of interests friendly to Mr. J. Gould, about 1877. Complaint was made that Villard and Greeley were not the proper men to act as receivers, that they were antagonistic to the owners of the bonds, lacking practical knowledge, etc. The matter finally reached the Supreme Court of the United States, who, in remanding it back to the District Court, ordered their removal and the appointment of one man, and he, a practical railroad man, as receiver in their stead. Under this order, in 1879, Sylvester T. Smith, who had been connected with the road in various capacities, including that of general manager, was appointed receiver. In 1879, the company was reorganized and in January 1880 consolidated with the Union Pacific Railroad under the name of the Union Pacific Railway Company, the holders of Kansas Pacific Railway stock being given share for share in the new consolidated company. The basis of the consolidation being Union Pacific Railroad, 1,042 miles, capital stock, $36,762,300, funded debt, $78,508,350.65. The Kansas Pacific Railway, 675 miles, capital stock of $10 million, funded debt of $30,567,282.78, and the Denver Pacific Railroad, 106 miles, capital stock $50,762,300, the funded debt being $109,000,000, $656,633.43 for a combined total of 1,823 miles, capital stock totaling $50,762,300 and funded debt totaling $109,656,633.43. End of Section 9. Recording by Paul Harvey.